Welcome back to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm joined by Parks Miller, uh, as per usual. And today we have a pretty good dump. This is one of our original ideas for the show, and it's uh, it involves some stuff that I actually really like. So that's always a plus. <laughs> you know, it, it, it lends a little more uh, effort, I guess. But today we're talking about Martha Watch versus CNC Music Factory. It's a big court case it's it's one of the well, vh100 most shocking moments in rock and roll that we we've talked about before and it's i mean it's great because it's got a, like a this dump has an amazing soundtrack <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> yes pumping yeah. pumping jams lots of cool stuff we get to talk about in this one but why is it a dump and what is it all about well it's a dump because this is the culmination of several of the most recognizable songs of the 80s and 90s if not of all time and it's a perfect example of how image reigns supreme in show business even if it means outright lying or stealing from others we've saw this you know in our Millie vanilli coverage um yes. and you know it's it said that there's a lawsuit at the end of this thing that set a precedent that changed the way artists are credited and introduced the world to a massive talent that had been in the background for far too long. And it's just like, this has it all, <laughs> you know, it's got all, all the good components of a, of a nice hearty dump. And, uh, <laughs> <A nice hearty laughs> dump. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, Briefly, though, if you're not familiar, Martha Wash was a, a, a singer. She had one giant hit. Um, you know, usually she was like a hired gun backup singer. And the big pop dance group CNC Music Factory had her record uh, uh, some vocal tracks. And then in the music video for their song, they had a model or not necessarily a model, but just another woman lip syncing, giving the appearance more, that it was yes. her. I mean, it really is kind of a sister story to the Millie Vanilli, though. Absolutely. You know, didn't they didn't have – it wasn't such a controversy in terms of the way Millie Vanilli's career just tanked when the whole thing was found out. Um, whereas yeah, this – the, the, the underdog wins in this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it did kind of – I guess maybe because – I don't know. There's just a little bit more nuance to it. But CNC Music Factory still, I mean, they're still kind of, I mean, it's kind of a one-hit wonder. I know that they did have other hits, but sometimes you can have other hits, but then you still are a one-hit wonder. But they they just didn't have this insane nosedive the Milli Vanilli did right. in the same way, you know? So. Right, exactly. So, but before we get to like the you know big beef of it all, we got to introduce you guys to the two tons of fun. So that it all starts with Martha Wash. Martha Wash was born on December twenty eighth, nineteen fifty three, in San Francisco, California. Wash's family life was filled with gospel music and religion, and she grew up singing in church. Even at a young age, she had an incredibly powerful voice. In her late teens, Wash joined the gospel group Now, a.k.a. News of the World, alongside another young powerhouse singer named Isora Armstead. The two hit it off, and as a dynamic duo, they stood out from other gospel singers, not only for their amazing voices, but also their size. Both Wash and Armstead were, by anyone's standards, large women, and this will come into play much later in the story. As time went on, Wash began gigging around and picking up singing jobs where she could. This career path would lead her to a basement audition that would change her life forever. 
She auditioned for a backup singer position for Sylvester, the soon-to-be king-slash-queen of disco. Sylvester was a six-foot-something drag queen with a high, screeching singing voice reminiscent of traditional blues and gospel singers from decades before. And Sylvester was known for his outrageously glamorous stage presence, his life of excess, and musical aptitude. I fucking love Sylvester. We got to talk about him a little bit yeah. in Disco Demolition. Mm-hmm. Any chance I get, yes. I read this book called The Fabulous Life of Sylvester, or I think it's just called The Fabulous Sylvester. Um, super, super long-winded book, but uh, amazing mm-hmm. and you know, lots of great stories. So Wash got the job in under five minutes, and what according to Wash, she walked into this basement audition, and coming out were two white, like skinny model types that had just auditioned and she's like you know over 200 pounds she's like fuck there's no way i'm gonna get this gig and right when she's saying instantly sylvester was like i fucking love you uh do you have any friends that are as big as you that can sing as well as you (laughs) and she's like actually funny you should ask and she hired her friend azora armstead and uh you know once she made the call Azora was, of course, on board, longtime friends. This is a good gig, touring gig. And Sylvester named them his two tons of fun. So it would be Sylvester and the two tons of fun. And it was all in, you know, it was all in good fun. They, they kind of loved that. And, like, their tour stories are fucking hilarious. Because, like, one of them, I forgot if it was Wash or Armstead. I think it was Armstead. But she would bring, like, hot plates with her and, like, pots and pans on tour. And, like, in their hotel room, she's like, I ain't eating that shit. And would, like, cook, like crazy fucking like fried chicken meals and pork chops and like all sorts of shit all the time and they were always cooking and eating and that was like their big big thing and Sylvester was really into that too Um, but yeah essentially if Sylvester wasn't like getting laid or like doing acid backstage he was eating with the two tons of fun so Sylvester and his group went on to release some of the most influential songs of the disco era including Yes, You Make Me Feel Mighty Real. That's, like, probably the number one. But also this other hit, which is called Dance Disco Heat. Let's party a As well as tons of other songs. I mean, Sylvester has dozens of albums. My favorite, if you're looking to get into this guy, check out um, the live album from the San Francisco Opera House. They play this rendition of um, uh, You Are My Friend from Patti LaBelle. And he goes off and he starts talking about uh, how he met the the two tons of fun and he's like they don't need that hair they don't need all those jewelries he's like they can sing y'all he's like your ear would have to be in your foot to not hear they can sing and then they solo yeah. and you're like holy fuck like they're I mean serious powerhouses so Wash and Armstead formed their own group while working with Sylvester called the two tons of fun and in 1980 they released their first and second album while they failed to reach the breakout status they hoped for their song I depend on you reached number 72 on the dance chart. However, there was a storm brewing, and it was about to start raining men. 
So songwriter Paul Jabara, best known for penning Donna Summer's iconic disco tune Last Dance, was working on a new song, a song he knew would appeal to the largely gay disco and dance audience, a song that would need a female singer with a presence as strong as her pipes. After teaming up with future David Letterman musical director Paul Schaffer, he wrote the song It's Raining Men. That's a crazy music connection. That's like some serious showbiz shit. The the guy from Letterman, like, yeah. oh, yeah, did you know he wrote It's Raining Men? Like, you know. Or, right, right. Or, or at least, like, helped with the, with the music direction on it. And now this song was originally intended for Donna Summer, who passed on it after finding religion because the song includes the words hallelujah and amen. So she's like, nope, can't, can't sing. It's raining men. It says hallelujah in it. So he then it was the passed. the Lord's name in vain. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, it's almost like an ex. Like, is it taking the Lord's name in vain if you're like into something? Like, like instead of being like, oh, my well, God. If you're like, well, oh, my but God. What but I, what you're into, I guess, if it's men and not the love of Jesus. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep God's Maybe name out of your mouth. Maybe it's raining men because there's so many options for me to pick one of them as a husband and to love and serve them dutifully yeah <laughs> forever and ever yeah 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 That's, or like that was the maybe it's angels you know like it's like i would love to make like a super christian version of it's raining men like it's like such like <laughs> so backwards so it it's was, raining amen yeah it's raining amen see there you go oh my god <laughs> But it was passed along from star to star, including Cher, who passed on it, and Barbara Streisand, who would not have been a good fit. And eventually the song reached Wash and Armstead, who by this time were going by the name The Weather Girls. They instantly got the joke of the song, they appreciated the vibe, and they recorded it. And the reason why they changed their name to The Weather Girls was because they got tired of being interviewed and everyone would be like, yeah, we're here with the two tons of fun. So what's it like being so fucking fat, essentially? Mm. You know, and everything became yeah. about their size because it was in their name. So every, like, music journalist just took the liberty of asking them about being overweight because, you know, so they it's, changed it to The Weather Girls. So now if you interview a, girl, a group yeah. called The Weather Girls and you're like, so you guys are pretty big, like, in size, huh? Like, they'd be like, why are you asking us that? That has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. our fucking career or image. But, uh, yeah, so It's Raining Men gets recorded. It's Raining Men is not only one of my favorite karaoke songs in the world to do, but it's, it's fucking iconic. And if you haven't seen the music video, you have to. But we're going to play a little clip from It's Raining Men in case you've been living under a rock. Shit is fire, son. Still slaps. Uh, Ryan is. You have an extensive knowledge of disco coming out here. I I'll yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I love. No, I I love disco too. Well, this, um, the seventies are my favorite. These are great songs. My, my favorite era, and of course, this was in the eighties. But like, it's still like the trail off. And I love when like disco mm -hmm. became high energy and like freestyle music. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's like N R G. Yeah, right? N R G. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I love all that shit. So the single, It's Raining Men, sold six million copies and was nominated for a Grammy. It also dominated the 
dancing club charts for a long time. And the song was then featured in a slew of TV shows and movies and is still considered one of the most iconic gay anthems of all time. It's also great for like bachelorette parties and you know, just uh, just having a, a good time. You know, it can rain. It can rain men if you're straight, and then you just have a bunch of friends. You know, <laughs> a lot of friends. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great song. It's like a little, you know, risque, but it's not super explicit. At yeah. The same time. Like I love when so, um, well, one of them. Coy. Like I think it's uh, Armstead. She has the line. She's like, "I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna get absolutely soaking wet." Like, I love, <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, it's just so fucking prime, dude. It's like uh-huh. it, it's a perfect yeah. song. It really is. And the music video again. You guys have to see it because it's like them as weather girls, and they're like the temperatures rising, and like they're like looking at the news and all their like weather reports, and they go outside, and there's like men literally raining from the sky but they're wearing like mm-hmm. how the Ninja Turtles would dress when they like go out to see a movie <laughs> and they wear like the hat and a raincoat. Like that's what all they got. But then they have a Speedo underneath. So it's kind of like an army of flashers are like it's falling from the sky. <laughs> and there's like a mini city that they're like, you know, stomping around in, singing the song. It's fucking awesome. So the Weather Girls went on to release a few more albums and also continued working as backup singers for artists such as Aretha Franklin and Bob Seger. I love that Bob Seger song, by the way. I think that yeah. I, I remember it from, it was definitely like a Chevy commercial. Absolutely. <laughs> and way before, and uh, <laughs> I just love that song. Well, that, that's like, yeah, it, it's, whoa, like a rock. Yeah, it, it, well, it's, it's funny <laughs> because like those commercials, it was like, you know, it's like really majestic hard-ass manual labor. Like, look at how uh-huh. the sawdust just bounces out of the truck when you lift 50 pounds worth of cement bags to put in there. And, like, Seeger's playing. It's like, dude, fuck. Like, that's hard-ass work. <laughs> Stop fucking making it look like it's, like, fucking, you know. Yeah. Well, that's always, you know, there's always the, 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 the glorification of the blue collar. Right. And, I mean, a truck, the truck is always associated with that. But, anyway, sorry, I love that song. We're getting distracted. Here. Yeah, and, I, oh, and I mean, I mean, a huge... Seeger guy, don't get me wrong, but yeah, so they, they sing on that. You can faintly hear him in the back, like that guy rock. But uh, yeah, so 1990, the group splits up. Armstead continued to perform as the Weather Girls with her daughter until she died in 2004. Wash went solo, but continued doing studio work for other artists. Enter in the CNC Music Factory. Now it's it's gonna we're gonna start throwing a ton of shit at you folks, so so try and keep up. David Cole was the music director and pianist for the Weather Girls. He was also a popular New York DJ and session player for Fleetwood Mac and Janet Jackson. But in the late 80s slash early 90s, he teamed up with Robert Clavellis, I want to say is how you pronounce that. I'm probably butchering it. To form the house music production group CNC Music Factory. The CNC standing for their last initials. Their last Cole and Clavellis. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. now as the music factory, they produced several house and dance tracks for artists like Shaka Khan and Grace Jones, but decided to branch branch out on their own. So they were essentially like, you know, they were just producers. It's like, yeah, we'll make tracks for this person, this person. We do it as CNC Music Factory. But then they're like, hey, we could release our own A artist that we like create and like making it like a real music factory. And also we could make songs just as ourselves, like rather than a production it's, company, we're a group now. Right. It's like, uh, you know, Pharrell or something. I mean, 
Right. For Alec- I mean, fucking Kanye West even. Start as a producer. Get some hits under your belt. DJ Let's Khaled. do it ourselves, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It, exactly. Now, one of the first projects that CNC put together was called Seduction. Martha Wash was hired to lay down some vocals on a song called You're My One and Only True Love. What was originally supposed to be a studio project soon became a live act once Wash's vocals were included. CNC hired three beautiful women to be the face of the group. Doesn't that sound fucking familiar? Uh, while Wash yeah. was credited with being a backup singer, uh, and that's all she was credited with. So yeah, she was credited for being a backup singer, even though now there's music videos and album with these three other women's face on it. That's another weird thing. Like with Millie Vanilli, there was like four vocalists standing in to make that sound with with this martha wash was singing for like three people <laughs> like it's yeah it, was reversed. it never yeah, it never she's... matches up mm-hmm. you know and I, maybe i mean again there wasn't laws against this at the time or anything so i would say maybe that's a way of like covering your tracks where it's like we're not having one person imitate you or vice versa but no it, it, it just wasn't even in the thing it's like what's better also, than one beautiful woman three that's the it also, me- mentality it also is like i mean it's kind of crazy because if he was in her group and then it's like her voice is kind of providing the hits and kind of giving him the leg up to then be an industry person and right. then he's doing her dirty by like doing this stuff it's like she helped him right and well and, like, and we'll get to that because it doesn't stop here i mean this is just the the first of a long series of of things because you know though nothing came of this whole total diss uh it did set the stage for what came next And now it is where it gets pretty complicated. So in 1989, Wash was hired by Italian house group Groove Groove Melody, later renamed Black Box, to sing on some tracks that she was told were demos to shop around to other singers. She was paid a flat rate for her time, and she assumed that that was it. You know, thinking, oh, yeah, like, I'm just recording these songs so they could find the actual pop star that's going to do it, and this is just what they're showing them. What she didn't know was that the group had previously been sued by a singer named Loretta Holloway, who the group had sampled illegally. The song they had sampled was Holloway's 1980 hit, Love Sensation. After the lawsuit, their solution was to hire another singer to front the project and perform the songs live, imitating Holloway's voice to the best of her ability. So this is kind of an interesting one because they're like, they're not having anyone lip sync because they already got busted for using a sample illegally, which is different than recording something yourself and then having someone act it out. But, right. you know, so, so they hire someone to imitate this voice. But I mean, but, but that's not technically. I mean, technically, there's nothing wrong with that. I right. Mean, it's just like a little too late, you know, because you already got sued. Yeah. You know. Right. But that song, "Love Sensation," it might sound familiar because it was later sampled totally legally, uh, and a lot in the Marky Mark and Funky Bunch hit "Good Vibrations." Like that's like the right. sweet sensation. Um, yeah. And then that's also funny because we're getting into this sample era, which I mean, certain 
there, there was sort of this whole, as this story tells, of just this new style of music production is creating these new kind of laws or just right. questions about what is the ownership what is your artist what does it mean if you perform on it if it's a sample how do you properly credit those musicians now right it was all it was all kind of new and you know what what started with like hip-hop you know and sampling and stuff then it became dance music because you know house music came out of chicago went mainstream and now everyone's doing like this like heavy multi-layered dance track shit uh which is what's happening here um it's funny though cause the singer that black box hired was named kinol i, I want to say or queenol i i i, I it's it's a weird spelling uh looks like it's a medicine but um she failed miserably at singing live there's like videos that surface where they like cut her mic and then start playing the lip sync track like because they're like whoa like you are fucking blowing it like Damn. not good like very milli vanilli so black box used all of the supposed demo tracks wash recorded and released them as an album called dreamland and this was not the deal that Wash had agreed to, not to mention that Kinnall had assumed the role of lead singer and was lip syncing the songs live. So not only is this singer that they hired doing the Holloway, you know, track, you know, now like, you know, imitating it, but now she's doing Wash's songs too. And Wash, again, just thought that she was recording demos. She didn't know that this was going to be released. And because of that, she didn't sign a contract. She didn't have any rights to any royalties or anything like that. And that's what, where it starts getting fucked up. And she was not even credited on the album at all. Like, not not even a, a, in a yeah. liner note. Um, but, you know. And that's dirty. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that, that's doing her dirty 100%. But some of these songs that, that Black Box did, like, for instance, the biggest one was called Everybody, Everybody. Uh, and then there's also Fantasy, I Don't Know Nobody Else, uh, and Strike It Up. Those are all giant songs. Everybody, everybody is, is the big one, though. Um, that's like 90s classic. Um, but as it turned out, Wash was also paid a flat rate by CNC Music Factory, who began using another singer to be the face of her voice. As CNC grew in popularity, particularly their song Gonna Make You Sweat, better known as. Wash did not have a contract with CNC, and it was rumored that she sang that famous hook for less than a thousand dollars, probably as like a, a, a friendly thing because Cole, one of the C's of CNC, had known her from the Weather Girls. So she was probably like, "Oh yeah, like you just need me to come in and do a couple of hooks here and there, like no problem, right. like just you know pay for my ride and buy me dinner, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a thing." Mm -hmm. Little did she know that it was going to become this fucking platinum hit, uh, which it did. So in 1990, CNC Music Factory hired rapper Freedom Williams and singer dancer Zelma <laughs> Davis to be the face of the group and released a music video in which Davis sings the famous hook, or at least lip syncs it, giving the appearance that it was her singing it and not Wash, who was not given a lead vocal credit, but rather one of six backup vocalist credits. So on Black Box, she was totally blackballed, whereas on CNC Music Factory, she was given a credit, but... You know, she is the fucking voice of this fucking thing on the, on the record yeah. for the most part, especially the most iconic fucking line on the entire thing in the group's history. And she's one of six backing vocalists on, on paper. 
out of control. And uh, also, when they filmed the video, like, and the video's pretty iconic, too, because it's lots of dancing, it's lots of spandex, it's, like, lots of, like, the new house, like, electro dancing that was coming out at the time. Uh, Zelma Davis, the one that lip-synced the line, she was telling people on set, because everyone was like, damn, that's you? And she's like, no, actually, that's not me. Uh, like, but she was told by, like, the directors and stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's totally fine, not knowing that, like, there was going to be a problem. And then even management came in and, like, pulled her aside and was like, stop telling everyone on set that that's mm-hmm. not you, you know, because everyone's right, starting to right. feel like there's something not on the up and up filming this and no one wanted to get sued, you know, for defamation or for <laughs> appropriation or anything. So they're like, yeah, no, honey, it's totally fine. Because she was, like, 19 at the time. It's like, it's totally fine for you to do this. Just don't fucking tell anyone. And then this is where it gets into that Millie Vanilli thing where I'm sure you're, think, you're thinking, I don't know if I should do that, but then you're like on the precipice of this huge success. Yeah, you're on a million-dollar film or yeah, shooting it, stage. Yeah. And it'd be so much easier to just go with the flow than say, no, actually, I want to stop my career right now and say who really sang it, you know? Because that would exactly. definitely they – would, they would have just kicked her out and – found another attractive young person to fill her place where would they ever find another attractive young person that wants to be famous though there's only like four of them in the world <laughs> exactly <laughs> so exactly. wash was performing in europe uh, just on a solo tour when she began receiving interview requests she assumed that the interviews were about the weather girls but instead they were all about her vocals being used in these songs and she was unaware of the music video or the extent to which her vocals were being used without her knowledge This is uh, the section of the outline I uh, delicately titled Everybody Sue Now Uh, (laughs) Because now it's going to get crazy So we got to back up just a minute here. Earlier in 1990, before the CNC Music Factory video was released, Martha, growing more and more angry at the exploitation of her voice, as well as the pain she felt being passed over because of her appearance, it reminded her, in her words, of being a a young kid and a teenager and being made fun of for for being a larger woman. And uh, she's like... Also, it's fucked because she already had a hit as herself as herself yeah and she then, was huge. And then, yeah she was awesome and then it's and then it's like oh now 8 9 years later actually your look isn't marketable yeah you which know? is bullshit and it's like you already had a damn hit looking the way you do and then to be told no you don't look the way we think a hit should look right and it would have been That's awesome be like fucked. to be like oh yeah the, the one of the chicks from the fucking weather girls one of the it's raining men gals is in this like like nothing about it would have negated any of the songs or progress or anything you know like so so it is it is kind of stupid and yeah it, it is also sad because you know she had you know found so much pride in herself you know touring with sylvester with with armstead like the two tons of fun like owning their shit you know and like like being so proud of themselves and for the first time in years she starts feeling self-conscious again because she's like oh like you you want my voice but you don't want me you want someone that's you know fits the uh the mold you know the the beauty standards or what have you uh, so she filed a lawsuit against CNC and their record label A&M Records for the seduction release that that group where they brought in the three girls to front it but she also filed a lawsuit against RCA Records for the Black Box album claiming that it was commercial appropriation that's the term for when you do this it's taking something that you made using it commercially without giving you the credit commercial appropriation Uh, and it was during the development of these lawsuits that Martha saw the music video that inspired this entire episode Uh, she attempted to contact CNC to talk about this but due to the lawsuits 
she was already having, she was turned away, twisting the knife even further. CNC proper, as in the two dudes that the initials came from, said that they would never dishwash intentionally, citing their year-long relation or the years-long relationship prior to the whole mess. They further explained that Zelma Davis sang on the majority of the album and was a group member, therefore should have been featured in the video as prominently as she was, but not at all recognizing mm. the fact that Wash but, wasn't in it at all. But that's bullshit because, as we know, even though they had hits, this is the biggest hit. This is the this what? Is the most iconic thing. If there's anything you know about CNC, it is the song, it's the, it's the bass line, and it's the vocals. Yeah, you know exactly. And so it's just you can't. That vocal line is so iconic. So that, I call bullshit on that. Yeah, well, and also the song is called "Gonna Make You Sweat." In parentheses, everybody dance now. But if you were to ask anyone on the street, oh, what's the CNC Music Factory song? Everybody dance now. Like even the title yeah. is all Martha Wash. Like she mm-hmm. made that whole yeah. fucking song. So yeah, it is bullshit. It doesn't matter if Zelma Davis sang on the whole thing because fucking that's not what people are signing up for, you know. Um, right. But. Also, they, uh, you know, the, the group's rapper, Freedom Williams, this is uh, a fucked up thing. He was like, well, I mean, wouldn't you rather see Zelma on stage than Martha Wash? And it's just like, oh, yeah. you fucking asshole. I was, yeah. Also, Freedom Williams is such a, that's a very 90s rapper name. Yeah. I gotta say that. And he accepted. Very rap. But he wasn't a very positive guy. No, no, not at all. And, and we'll, we'll get to more about him uh, in a little bit. But when they won the like Billboard Music Award or something, he came up to accept. Freedom Williams came up to accept the award in just like bike shorts, and like just like ripped and like glistening, and like that. That was like his whole his whole deal. So the lawsuit that she filed against CNC Music Factory was for around five hundred thousand dollars, and she claimed false advertising as well as commercial appropriation. CNC claimed that they had asked Martha to be in the group full time, but she declined on multiple occasions. So they were forced to hire a new singer. Again, you didn't like if they just didn't have someone lip sync this shit, it wouldn't have been a problem. Like everything would have been yeah. fine. But it, that that's where it all boils down to, pretty much. So at the end of it all, Wash was paid an undisclosed amount in settlements from each record label that she had sued. She won all the lawsuits. Um, and then, just like with Millie Vanilli, several other people tried to file like civil suits against these companies for false advertising and stuff. They're like, hey, what the fuck? Like, we, you know, <laughs> we, we thought that this hot chick was singing it, and instead it's fucking Martha Wash, who uh, is a, you know, equally uh, as beautiful and hot. Everyone's beautiful on God's green earth. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what was even more of a victory for her was the disclaimer that MTV was now forced to put on the Gonna Make You Sweat music video that clearly stated that the singer in the video was not the singer you were hearing. And this is kind of a double-edged sword because now Zelma Davis, the girl in the music video who really didn't know, like she didn't understand the implications of what she was doing. You know, she was just doing what she was told. She's brand new to showbiz. You're not going to like argue, you know, when you're on a, you know, million dollar soundstage filming these videos. And she was furious about this because it damaged her reputation, like, until it was irreparable. Uh, It made it seem as though that she could not sing at all and that she was a lip-syncer like Millie Vanilli, which literally had just happened a year before. 
all this right, shit. So right. people were already on the lookout for that. And, you know, she did sing on, on the album, just not that hook. And she was viewed as a villain and just a model and just a face. And no other record labels would touch her, fearing that she essentially was, like, toxic to any project. So it completely fucking yeah. ruined this young girl's entertainment career. Because, yeah, so like, it, as if it was her exploitation, fault. Exploitation, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. another exploitation story from... Yeah, but again, Millie Vanilli vibes. industry standard types, yeah. Kind yeah. of taking on people who are young, attractive, don't know the business, just ready to be... Mended, Molded, used. exploited, however they feel. So it, it is sad. It is yeah. very sad. Absolutely. I mean, this is a multifaceted dump here, and that, that's why we love it so much. And it was the combination of Wash's lawsuits along with the Millie Vanilli scandal that set a new industry standard as far as accreditation goes. From that point on, record labels legally were forced to give proper artists proper credit on all the albums and music videos they were in. Like, no more, like, yeah. burying you in the backup singer things or special thanks. Like, nope. Like, if you sang on this, you're... like, And that's why when you look at, um, like, the liner notes of, like, a CD or an album, anything that came out after 1990, it's like each song has its own credits. You, mm -hmm. you know, rather than just, like, on the back of an album where it's like, this person plays drums, this person sings, blah, blah, blah. It's like, right, no, right, this song, right. this person wrote it, this person wrote it. That's why, like, if it's a band, you know, you might see one band member's name on every song, but then the other ones kind of interchange as far as who wrote the lyrics. Right, and, and, then, and, then, and then there's the personnel of who performed on what instrument on every song. Right. And um, actually, I remember reading about, because um, now where we are with this stuff as uh, I remember the song uh, Sicko Mode, the Travis Scott with Drake, like that song has something like 35 credited writers because it samples a notorious B.I.G. song that in turn samples like oh Commodores God, or like something. So it has like every single person associated with the Biggie song gets a credit and then every songwriter associated with the song he sampled gets a credit. And then also, in addition to all the people who were in a, making the actual song. Can you imagine so, being in, like, some, like, R&B group in, like, the fucking 60s and, like, you're fucking old as shit now? And then all of a sudden you get, like, a fat fucking residual check from, like, a Travis Scott song because, like, you were sampled <laughs> by, like, four people, like, ten, you know, ten different times over and it all culminated in this and now you get a piece of this, like, giant cool song. Shit. Yeah, you're just like, wow! <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I'm, yeah, sure, and yeah. I'm sure that's happening. But, I mean, also it's a good thing that no one fucking buys CDs anymore because all the fucking paper you would waste printing out these fucking credits... <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you want to talk fucking environmental disaster. But wait, there is more to this story. So much to everybody, everybody's surprise in 1994, Martha Wash sang for CNC Music Factory again on their follow-up to their debut album and even appeared in the music video for their hit, Do You Want to Get Funky? So she came back and they used her. Um, I want to say this was maybe an attempt to like save face or something, you know, apparently they squashed their beef and it's like, but when you watch the video, like Martha Wash looks fucking sick in it. You know, she's like yeah, wearing like I this mean, crazy outfit and she's like the big sultry fucking like powerhouse singer. Like that's what you want someone to look like when they're singing like that, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, maybe because of Weather Girls, there was a rapport, and it was more of a, like, room for this to be mended or have, you know, like, you did me dirty, but, I mean, I got a ton of money. We yeah, all got, got, we paid, all got yeah. our money. Hey, maybe let's... uh let's try it again let's do another song see what happens and and yeah it is funny because it's funny how those image things work because you do associate that voice with a sort of a type of you associate right. there's, there's an image in your mind so it's kind of funny that trying finally to came to fruition that. yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well it was all just i mean that was the era of millie vanilli you know it's like fuck it like Let's just get whatever looks the best on fucking paper because it's all about the music video now, you know, and like, you know, now, I mean, fuck, like that kind of shit would never fucking happen, you know, and if you said anything about the way someone looked, it'd be like, no, like, that's not cool of you. Like, you know, she's very talented. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Wash went on to have a successful solo career, singing a song for the first Wives Club soundtrack, duetting with RuPaul. It was kind of like a redone It's Raining Men deal. Uh, She released several albums and appeared in the Academy Award winning documentary 20 Feet from Stardom, which is incredible. I still need to watch. (laughs) What's that? Because I know I I still need to watch it because I know that you have mentioned it and it does sound really fascinating. So I need to I need to put that on my list. Yeah, no, it's great. And she talks about this. You know, this is what she's talking about is this whole thing, because, yeah, 20 feet from stardom, it it follows like some of the world's most successful backup singers. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like times when like the voice wasn't matched with the artist, Um, like, for instance, like Phil Spector did that a lot with like Darlene Love, you know, and like people Mm -hmm. getting like careers stolen from them. Stuff like that. So as for CNC Music Factory, they were also sued by Boyd Jarvis for using an unauthorized sample, and the court ruled in Jarvis's favor. So the second lawsuit against them and the second one they lost. Wouldn't you just fucking drop them from your label at this point if they keep getting fucking sued from ripping people off and backstabbing people? Like, how much money was CNC Music Factory bringing in to where it was just fine for the record label to keep them on and keep paying out these fucking lawsuits? Yeah, but that was all that really but that wasn't a time where you're selling these CDs for I guess maybe they weren't 20 bucks in the early 90s, but I'm sure they were like 10 to 15 bucks a pop, so I Yeah, mean, you sell millions money. of copies of those, that is a shit ton of money. And, you know, they play that song still at like fucking sporting events and everything else, yeah, you know. So if you can still maintain a piece of that song, I mean, and that song also had this I mean, we, we kind of haven't even talked about how great the fucking song is. I mean, yeah, the song right. is amazing. And it's it, awesome, yeah. And, it's, and it has such an appeal, I mean, because it is it is kid-friendly, even though I will say there is that freedom. Williams, he raps, I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut, which yeah. appears, I think that that was like a funny little thing that happened in a lot of little rap songs. I feel like um, jock jam songs in particular, I feel like it was kind of like how when... Um, there was that whole thing where the skeet skeet, like Lil John was saying right. it, and it didn't get censored because, like, I guess people, white people, or whoever's yeah. joint didn't know what it was. And I feel like the squirrel trying to get a nut was this, like, sort of slick way of putting in a sexual <laughs> innuendo. But yeah. literally, on paper, there's nothing wrong with a squirrel getting a nut. And so I feel like there's a. Exactly. There's a few, like uh, the Freak yeah. Nasty, the dip song, and I think the. Um, What's it? Come on, ride it. The train. Mm-hmm. Whoever. The, I mean, also the train. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, come that's on. About. But yeah. it's like it's kind of like these songs that sound very wholesome, and then they throw in that little 
little thing but overall still the everybody dance now i mean that was like a song when i was like seven years old i was like right. i love this shit and it had like the dance like the fucking like striking guitar chords like i mean yeah mm-hmm. it, it fucking it's still like a banger and it's still played all over the fucking place all the time yeah but uh yeah no you and you're totally right about the squirrel getting a nut thing like if a guy is just like <laughs> like god i'm trying to fucking get my goddamn nut like that's like one thing but if like <laughs> yeah. hey i'm a squirrel and i want a nut it's just like oh okay like it's just and, literally... and then you're like a kid you're like i'm squirrels i like squirrels yeah i want to get a nut too like then you have a bunch of kids running around they're like i'm like a squirrel i'm trying to get my nut yeah it, Exactly. And then Ice Age came. Yeah. It, and then that's what that movie's all about. And also in the song, um, the, the the Do You Want to Get Funky, there's like a whole thing about going to the bathroom. Like, like I think he even <laughs> says dump, like taking a dump. Like, and like it's like, what the fuck are you rapping about here? But, uh, <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's like, all right, like everyone's dancing. They're like, yeah, I'm going to take a shit and I'm a squirrel. Give me my nut. Like, what the fuck? But uh, <laughs> turmoil in the group grew. And in 1992, rapper Freedom Williams left the group, but continued to perform under the sea. CNC Music Factory name. In 2005, he trademarked the name of the group, even though he didn't start it, and CNC were the initials of the guys who did in fact start the group. The legal battle to reclaim the name raged on for years, making the news as recently as 2016. So yeah, like if you go to the state fair, you could see like CNC Music Factory, but it's just Freedom Williams and like backing tracks. And like maybe like right. a, a dancer or two. And like, yeah, th- th- I mean, th- I'm sure that this is still like in litigation, you know. Well, I, and and a little connection when and I've talked about my time at the 2019 gathering of the Juggalos. Right. CNC Music Factory performed, but um, but they played really early, and I just did not have my shit together. Oh, uh, if only but I you could had hear, known. I could hear everybody dance now blasting across the fairgrounds. But that's a funny little thing that the ICP likes to do is they love their old school hip hop and their old school dance music. So they love to throw those acts on the bill as well. Can you imagine if like Martha Wash came out, like a bunch of jewelry, like a nice dress and she's like, whoop, whoop. And then I start playing that. But that's the thing is it really, you're, you, you, you really want that one song. And then if it's just the one rapper guy doing it over a track, I mean, at that point, just playing it, as a DJ is all you really need. It's not that you're going to, Oh, I, the original, the bass player is going to be there. No you one know, cares. It's just a track and the one rapper t- rapping about his nut. Yeah. So. No, no one cares. It's like, if I was there, the, the, I'd be the squirrel trying to get the nut, but the nut I'd be trying to get would be being anywhere else except watching CNC Music Factory. Like that—that's the nut that me as a squirrel would be trying to get. Uh, so, what w- what does it all mean? You know, what does it all mean? Well, no one would have been mad. Uh, you know, if Martha was in the video, first of all, and in 2021, it seems ridiculous that someone would be replaced visually in that manner. Wash is an icon, not just for her music, but for the way she stuck it to the man and took what she deserved. It is never cool to steal, and the more excuses you make about why you did or why it is not stealing, the worse you make it. And, you know, this is just a, a classic, like, you know, fucking image concerned bullshit thing that you know ended up with the good guy getting what she needed you know what i mean and getting what what she deserved whereas with millie vanilli it's like you know they're they're to blame a little bit you know but this is like straight up like 
No, we're taking the recording and, and taking it away from you. And now it's not you anymore, according to everyone else. No one will yeah. even fucking believe you. But she was already a star, right. like you said. So this whole thing is like a perfect culture dump. Yeah, yeah, truly. And also with, with Millie Vanilli, it was just that they were controlling it so well as to, you know, control the, the real singers, too, and just kind of know it seems more nefarious Right. Just knowing that this is all going to happen. I mean, it, it kind of, until the big scandal, it was happening like all exactly over the, place, the way yeah. it was supposed to happen. And this is, seems a little more that they did not anticipate. I mean, they fucked right. around with the wrong person. And yeah. She yeah, was already a fucking star in her own right. So. Yeah. Yeah, she was already right. fucking big and she went on to do other big things after that. She's still around, she still performs. Um I mean it, it's a it's a great story in showbiz and it's it's really like kind of like the you know, the person getting fucked over by the system fucking winning and, and that's why I love it so much. So with that, that's uh, the story of Martha Wash versus uh, CNC Music Factory. I want to give a quick shout out. This is something we don't usually do, but I want to shout out to Ballyhoo Hot Sauce. Uh, we got a chance to try some of this amazing hot sauce. My favorite flavor is the Heat Merchant Habanero Citrus flavor. Really cool, guys. Uh, it's you know it was founded by uh, or half founded and owned by a Woodstock '99 survivor who we'll have on Podcast '99 soon. And if you like interesting flavors of hot sauce, uh, not not so like fuck you up hot but like very as they say flavor forward check them out that's ballyhoo b-a-l-l-y-h-o-o hotsauce.com uh, you can order it there thank you to those guys now if you want exclusive culture dumps and podcast 99 materials like bonus episodes research stuff videos everything else that we have to offer sign on up to patreon.com slash culture dumps and uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. If you have a suggestion, you can email us at culture dumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller. This is culture dumps where you eat it up and we dump it out.